welcome to the Owls on Culture podcast, where two generations of owls, Michael the dad, me, and Hank the son, discuss the latest in movies, plays, books, video games, and more. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Owls on Culture podcast. I am your co-host, Michael Owl, and I am here with... Hank Owl. Hank Owl. How you doing, man? Doing, uh, I'm doing pretty okay. Yeah, all right. Very cool. My ears are... Uh clogged right now so things are sounding weird <laughs> and you know, how does the uh headphones being on there does that make it worse or better i think better that's kind of like uh in like songs when like they'll cut the instrumentation oh yeah have the vocals like that's what life sounds like <laughs> yeah. and it's been like this for two days uh that's very dramatic yeah that's kind of that's kind of fun is life taking on new colors and meanings for you uh yes Outstanding. The entire world is purple. You uh, you got a little uh, allergy or cold going on? I do believe. I I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Fall allergies. I always have. I always have spring allergies too because I love allergies. Yeah. I hoped I did not pass that on to you. (laughs) You might have. I'll I'll blame you anyway. They kicked in later in life for me, so you know. Yeah. This could be. This could be a thing, or it could be just a uh, temporary blip. In your allergic life's life. <laughs> yeah, and as a... Here, if you there just heard Nicely me done. cough, uh, you'll be, might be hearing that several times. Right on cue. Yes. I, I I could say it has nothing to do with the amount of sleep I'm getting. I think I can just keep going, getting the little sleep that I'm yeah, getting. I think, I think that's fine. I think it's healthy. For viewers that are not viewing but listening... <laughs> um, and think we're just terrible parents. Uh, I, hope, we, I hope you're not viewing. We were out of town over the weekend and it went late, late nights. Though we tried to sleep late too, so we tried to balance it out. But we are we we have gotten you off schedule on any kind of human being schedule. I'm off schedule too. Need sleep, and I think that has a lot to do with it. Um, but you know what defies sleep? What <laughs> defies sleep? Time. You know what has to do with time? <laughs> Space. Yes. <laughs> you know what has to do with space? Dimensions? Dimensions. You know what has to do with dimensions? Uh, family. Family. <laughs> you know what has to do with their relative? <laughs> what? Doctor Who. Doctor, Doctor Who. Who has to do with family. You were supposed to say that after time, but you, <laughs> you, you didn't do that. I, I, didn't, I did not do that. But, but Doctor Who happened again. Chapter 2. Yes, Chapter 2 of the Flux, which is what we're calling... Uh, series thir- not not what we're not calling. not just us. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they're calling uh, series thirteen. It's kind of their uh, serialized adventure. Yeah, and I like how they're dividing into chapters. That's fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, there will be spoilers in this podcast. This is kind of a recap and discuss and debate and predictions. Yep. All surrounding chapter two or episode two or episode two of series thirteen, chapter two of the flux, entitled. War of the Santarans. Santarha. Yes. During the Crimean War, the Doctor discovers the British army fighting a brutal alien army of Santarans, as Yaz and Dan are thrown deeper into a battle for survival. What is the temple of Atropos? Who on the Mori? Stars, obviously, Jodie Whittaker as the Doctor. Mandip Gill as Yasmin Khan, and John Bishop as Dan Lewis is threatened by Jamie Magnus Stone, one of the primary directors of this Chibnall era, and written by the man himself, Christopher Chibnall. Nice introduction. Yes. Um, this is something a lot of people have been forgetting about in discussion, so I'm just going to open with it well, right what, now. What you got? What's up with that black and white shot at the beginning with the house falling apart? I had forgotten about that. I had a lot of oh, that's right. It's like a too. kind of a dream sequence. Like she's seeing something through the flux's power is how I interpreted that. Yeah, of the future and of the destruction. I'm sure it's. Um, well, I don't say I was going. I'm sure, but I imagine it's going to be continually reappearing until she ends her run at the doctor. But maybe it's just a flux thing. Because she'll Possibly. be she'll be after the flux too. So we'll have her for a few specials. Uh, I don't know. Good question. I think one of the habits of the Chimnall era has been these kind of cryptic things. If you remember, I think it was Ascension of the Cybermen. There was this whole, the whole bit with the police officer and the memory wiping. 
oh the yeah different ages that uh that really had nothing to do with the show, but set up in people's minds for the timeless child reveal that everybody loved in uh, the <laughs> finale of that series. Yeah, that also reminds me a little bit of um, Stephen Moffat era seeing the point of view of uh, Amy Pond when she was captured and trapped and pregnant and every now and then every few episodes you'd see like just uh, 30 seconds of the woman with the eye patch or something and not really understand what was going on at all was her name Madame Vastra maybe I thought Madame Vastra was the lizard like creature who's a friend of the doctor oh yeah the 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 thing. I'm sure she the has a lizard name, creature. <laughs> the lizard creature, duh. The lizard creature. Only one of the the major Doctor Who villain species. We totally remember their names. We're real fans. <laughs> um, so that's reminding me of that. So that maybe it's like that. I kind of dig that if it's done well. It, but I don't know. We'll see. I'd forgotten all about that. So that's how the episode opens. Is with that shot. Yeah, and I, I've heard it said that maybe it's how. Uh, the doctor is visualizing the destruction of time. Oh. The house falling apart. It's a metaphor. Yes, it's a metaphor. Nice. Oh, well, that's cool. And then after that, we go to, we're just immediately thrown into the Crimean War, right? We are immediately thrown into the. With no explanation of how they were not destroyed by the flux. I guess it was the, the vortex were, energy. They Yeah, they were probably pushed through. The kind of barrier, the was it? What is it? Bonded species, the the dog creatures. Yeah, they were protecting the thing. Yeah, and they're protecting the earth. So maybe the flux push them through the barrier. Yeah, maybe. And when we find out, I guess the Santorans snuck in as well, right before the barrier. We find yeah, that. So maybe similar similar time that that yeah. happened. So I, I I liked the beginning of this. I liked it was fun being back in history. I liked how they. You know, she kept saying, yeah, the war between Great Britain and Russia. I would say Russia was Russia the word. They were like, you know, you keep using this word. We don't know what that word means. Yeah. Cause, you know, what is Russia? Because at this point in, in this episode, does some Doctor Who timeline stuff for like one thing's happening in the future. But that's technically like the past if you follow the Santarans' point of view. Right. So the Tarans have made it so that like Russia never existed, and they, they're Russia. I mean, if you look at the maps that the the British general has, I mean, it says Santar and not Russia. Yeah, I wonder if the Santarans ever thought about using a temporal pincher move. I don't get it. Oh, that's a tenet. That was from Tenet. That's what they. That's what they do in Tenet. The temporal pincer move. They that, put half the you know half the force goes backwards in time, and half the force goes forward, and then reports what happens back. I don't know. Yeah, you have to get you have to have watched Tenet to get that joke. <laughs> I did that. I don't know how much of the the audience or anybody watched Tenet. Well, I explained it now, so now they're now they're now they're up to date. At any rate, so yeah, so tyrants go back in time, so they want to take over the Earth, and why why do they want to take over the Earth so they can take over the universe? Is that pretty much it? Yeah, there's. I actually, here, thinking of good things, things that we liked about this episode, and maybe we could start the point of conversation with the Centaurans. Yeah. And how they're portrayed here. I think, I mean, I remember you kind of groaning when I read the description <laughs> of this episode in the last, in our talk about the first episode, because you were like, really, the Centaurans are aware of this flux and are going on this great conquest, and their first thing they're doing is they're going after Earth? Going after England during right. like <laughs> right. during the Crimean War, but they give a good explanation for that, and they mention old Who stuff about the Centaurans long relationship with Earth. Oh, that's that's kind of cool. I don't I don't think I picked up on that at the time when they mentioned the other general that said like when he stuck his flag in the dirt here, and that's a thing. That was the Centaurans' introduction into Doctor Who. Oh, that's very cool. Well, I kind of, I kind of like that, and hate that I missed that. But of course, I, I would have since I haven't, you know, seen all the old who. Uh, that that makes it kind of cool and kind of better. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, maybe maybe you had a different opinion with that, but I was like, okay, Jimmy, you're making the Centaurans, uh, role make 
makes sense of why they're here. Was there any of the, because uh, they talk about the whole Centauran has like a division that is like, they're psychic. Or is it, was it psychic or just like time traveling division? It was the psychic division. The psychic I division. Believe. I wonder if that's an old who thing as well. If that's something the Centaurans have always been able to do or, or whatnot. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder. So what did you, so did you like the Centaurans in the episode? I enjoyed the Centaurans. They are like, they're a good mix of menacing and like silly. Yeah. That I thought was really good and a good like kind of base off against the the the, the English army, British army. Yeah, I, I I liked them also. I especially liked the the head general guy. Uh, and their look too. Their look is different than we've seen them at least in New Who, and I really liked it. They looked kind of like gross. Some of them did. I like that they looked different. I always associate the one I guess who was you know back from. You know the Matt Smith days, who was with kind of hit with Madame Vastra actually and Jenny, uh, not for what for Drax? That's yeah, right. no, no, Is that right? Scrax, the uh, axe, axe, something. No, it's like Drax. I think it's Drax. Scrax. It's not Scrax. Okay, Scrax. <laughs> Scax is like the name of the guy in this episode. Okay, well, so it's not that. Anyway, so yeah, so I like the fact that yeah, they're mean, they're war, they're they're clones, they are. But they are they're a nice mix of silly. Well, something that bothered me, and maybe we'll get to this later, but, you know, they have this primal weakness, right? This little hole in the back of their head. Yep. That they don't do anything about trying to cover up or stop. <laughs> and I didn't, I almost made the joke when we were watching it, because they were chasing Dan. I guess I'm really getting ahead of ourselves, though, aren't we? We're still so, but when they get What's there, a, no, you can talk about anything you like about how the Centaurans were characterized in this episode. Okay, so uh, the Centaurans looked at one point like they had been to the Stormtrooper school of 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 shooting because they're chasing. Definitely. That happened twice, I think. They're chasing Dan. There's like five of them, and they're shooting lasers, and none of them hit this. You know. Big dude, you know, not exactly, he wasn't exactly doing like serpentine kind of pattern here. He was just running down the road or running into the factory and they couldn't hit him. And then his parents saved the day. So that whole thing, I guess I want my enemy to be formidable. And they were formidable. They seemed formidable. And then they have scenes like that that kind of take away their uh, menace to me. Um, and I guess I wish they hadn't done that. Yeah, it's, especially with the look of suburban streets. And here's something I've said about the, the Stormtrooper thing, too. Especially when they're on the Death Star. And the, the look of Centauran architecture. There's not a lot of curves and crevices to dodge into and to weave so like you kind of have to like have stupid reasons for the enemy to miss every single time and the same with the flat surfaces of the death star yeah and so it's we are not given to those happen not the given those reasons to work. now i did like how the santorans cold-bloodedly executed you know three or four humans and dan has to sit there and watch that so i liked i liked that part of the menace and i did not like when they're when they're when they're ineffectual. Now the fact that they're not very bright, I'm I'm good with that. The fact that like you know, the doctor and the uh, doctress who's introduced, um, I like they could follow that one Centauran like back into that that field, the force field or the the hidden field. Uh, like that didn't bother me. Like that's just hey, that's what Suntarans do. They're not that bright, but you know the missing the the poor shots for like a military culture. I mean a race society that, that like exists. They should the be able to shoot thing. very well. I mean they're supposed to be like a parody of like nationalists and huge you know military societies of us of us over here in the states and all across history. Um, I doubt that's what they were going for. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> even like, if it fits, but like, even, yeah, yeah, yeah. But nationalism basically is the uh, Centaurans. But the, like, they 
Like, they should, even if they're stupid at all other things, they should be able to, like, do war. <laughs> right. That's, that's the one thing they do. And they do do war. They massacre the British army. Right. Yeah, they, so they are effectual there. It's just, you know, again. They just can't get one guy. Right. Especially when he's the now co-lead yeah. <laughs> of the series. So I wish they just found a, just a cleverer way of, of, of letting him get away instead of just them just missing shots. Uh, I think, yeah, it's the... The silliness versus like threat ratio is really tried to try to keep that good in this episode. Yeah, in general, sometimes I, like I think the they let they one. let silliness win, and I may have would have preferred that seriousness win. Like even the execution scene, or not not the execution scene that you're talking about, but the self execution scene when the Centauran who was captured, asked for mercy from the leader guy, which, of course, mercy means, you know, killing him. Uh, like, I even thought that felt a little silly. And it, I, it and I, don't know, because... I don't want it to feel, like, super grim, but, right. like, I, I wish, <laughs> like, they wouldn't, like, yes, you'll get mercy by execution. Yeah, like, the fact that they, that bothered me also. Like, it shouldn't that's have been not sad. a surprise. Yeah, like, no. why is he being, like, ha-ha, like, they all know that that's exactly what he meant, just as most of us in the audience probably knew. When he says, give me mercy, means let me die because I have failed. I have no honor in my in my suffering of living with no honor. So I don't understand that delivery like got that either. Um, so that, that bothered me too. Yeah, but the, I, I like the look of the Centaurans. I like the, the feel during the battle and the... The way the general talked, I think some of the Centauran jokes were funny. Like the, uh, the, like I wanted to have a horse line of yeah, why this that first was great. of the, of the time militia or whatever. Yeah, the spaceships look great. I thought the spaceships. Uh, looked I thought the whole design cool. of everything looked really, really great. Like the sci-fi aspect of the Centaurans, I really liked, and then like the actual like antagonistic elements, I'm maybe a little down on. Now, so you, uh, when we were talking about it earlier, you brought up the fact that one of the characters from episode from chapter one was actually a, you know, actual historical figure, and we also met another historical figure. Well, I, in this. I didn't, I didn't mention that on the podcast. I mentioned that earlier today. Yeah, that's what I said. Oh, sorry. Um, so we bet another horror historical figure, though, uh, that the doctress, the Jamaican slash British nurse. Mary Seacole, who I was not familiar with, and I guess still am not familiar with outside of Doctor Who. I, but, I, I, yeah, I, but I now you know she so. exists, and so that was kind of cool that we got to meet her, and that in a way that did not feel, uh, hey, kids, here's some more history. Like, I thought that, uh, that, 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 I thought they handled that well. Like we yeah. got to know some history, we got to learn some more, and but we had yeah. we had a little bit of like the children's show argument yesterday, where I called Doctor Who a children's show, and you were like, "Well, it's not exactly this," but in I guess I don't even know what like really a definition of Doctor a children's Who, show is. It's certainly a family show. I don't know if it's a children's show. Okay, but in a world which I think is the world we live in, what <laughs> <laughs> the Doctor Doctor Who is a show geared for younger audiences. It's geared. I think this. I disagree. Does a great job of being entertaining and sci-fi and telling the story while also being informative of history, like Mary Seacole. I think this episode does a good job with that element of Doctor Who. I think we agree hundred percent. You just call it a children's show, where I think I call it a family show. It's a show because it, it can it be appeals enjoyed. to all three generations. Like I think grandparents. You know, parents and children, or I think, are that is all are all supposed to be able to sit there and enjoy it, on and get it on different levels and enjoy different parts of it. I think so. I think it's a family show rather than a children's show. But the same. But your point, your point is right. Same thing. I think. I think we probably are. Um, Yeah, I thought they. I thought they. They again. They balance that well, and they give like the adults the execution, but because it's also a family show (laughs) geared towards children, they don't show the execution. You know, they, they, they straddle that line pretty well in this episode, I thought. Yeah. Uh, we got to see the big bad enemy again and the sister, let's, right? You want to talk about that? Let's talk up for a little bit later. That's a whole... Okay. That's a whole nother... Like, that's, this episode is basically two halves. That's the whole other half of the episode. <laughs> yeah, all right. Let's, let's talk about the Crimean War parts of this episode before we can get to that. What do you think of the, the British general? 
Uh, I thought he, I thought the actor did a good job playing him, and I thought he showed, you know, those, I guess, his role in this um, show. I thought they did it, he did it well. He's supposed to be the war at all costs. Um, you know, evil, evil general guy. Yeah, he's, I guess, he's supposed to be, I guess, displaying to us how not dissimilar us humans are from the, the warring ways of the Santara. Exactly. I think you're absolutely right. And I thought that was good. And I, I like, I kind of liked him. I, I liked the Crimean War parts of this, uh, parts of this episode. I, the way the doctor played off of the general felt very doctor-like. I think we've talked before a previous series of the Chimnall era and the Whitaker era that the doctor not feeling had not having gravitas and not feeling powerful. I I think this is different here. This I felt she felt very doctor like, and I'm not saying she hasn't before, but I was like, yeah, that's the doctor. That is how this like like pacifist, but also very very menacing and very powerful person would react to a guy like the general. Exactly. I think you're absolutely right. And I was reading something as we were prepping for this that said one of the reasons maybe that that was able to occur is because at the time there was no companions about her. So she did not have to do this like family thing or like a friend thing. But we got to see her alone as the doctor. And I agree. It was, I I also felt that same way. Uh, And for one point where there, where she's captured, I was, I, I, I kind of balked at that. I was like, well, the doctor wouldn't be captured, but no, the doctor is captured all the time. And then like talks his way out of it or talks her way out of it or like, you know, does, you know, maneuvers. So I, I felt like her power diminished, but that was not actually accurate. You know, once I really thought about it. So I agree. It was very cool to see her kind of do her doctory thing without the companions. And it, I think it raised her stature in the eyes of the, um, in, in the eyes of the characters in the episode. Yeah. And when, you know, well, I'll mention this and then we can touch on the thing we did not like about the Centaurans and which gets into Johnny Plothole territory. Uh, but when the general, like, kills this Centauran fleet after they're retreating and, like, massacres them, the doctor reacts like the doctor would. I, I didn't I love the whole, like, it almost this feels like I can't this I can't be pleased, basically. <laughs> yeah. Like her reaction to that was something like sometimes like people like you make me wonder why I even bother with a human race or something like that. That almost felt like pandering to people like us who say that we want her to be more powerful. But again, that's I'm so negative. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I felt I like, like yeah, that I'm like yeah, you're trying. Yeah, like this is how the doctor would react, even if I don't you know love the delivery. Yeah, I I, I, I like that moment a lot. I, uh, I was glad I was glad to see that. Let's do. Do you want to talk? I think you were annoyed by it more than me. You want to talk about our problems with the way they defeat uh, the Centaurans in the Crimean War? What? Yeah. Though I thought you were bothered by it more than me because I didn't. I think you're the one who brought it up. I didn't. It hadn't even occurred to me. But the whole deal, I guess, with so there's one Centauran who uh, the nurse, the doctress. Uh, Seacole has captured and treated, or he treat, he healed himself. That was interesting. I didn't know they could do that. Um, I don't know what she meant by that. Like if he regenerated, healed, or like if he, I don't know, sutured himself like a wound. But anyway, so she, he's there in the, the hotel, Britain or whatever, and she is taking great notes because she's a nurse and she has good observations. And so I guess every, I don't know, I'm not going to get the numbers right, but let's say every... 27 hours they need to sleep for seven minutes and get their uh, hook back up to the mothership and have their gases exchanged so they can handle the earth atmosphere is that that's probably not exactly right but that's basically it. that's close yeah that's good so she discovers that and that is ends up being the way that the doctor is able to defeat the Satarns or have them have a strategic retreat or strategic, what is it, strategic, uh, she said retreat, and he's like, I don't retreat, but I do a strategic, whatever, going away. 
<laughs> Whatever. He goes pure semantics, but it works for the Santarans. So, hey. Uh, so they sabotage the ships so that they cannot replenish their whatever gases so they can handle the Earth's atmosphere. So uh, you brought up, and I was a good question, like, so how come that one that was captured didn't die? Because that's the way we know about this thing. Instead, he just went to sleep and came back to awake. Um, so I guess that's it. That, that's the issue, right? Yeah, and also, why is it that they all, these yeah. great military <laughs> yeah, minds, right. the Satarans, this race that purely exists to conquer, yeah. would take their every single one of their rests at the exact same time right. and leave no guards? I mean, at least like set one person to watch, right? <laughs> like, like why have not a bugle, stagger their sleeping time? Exactly. <laughs> but no, so they did not. So that again, so it's stuff like that that just. But it's possible the healing thing, that the suit may have some reserves, and that's what Seacall meant by healing. Uh, could, yeah, that so could be. Doing. But, then, but either way, like that's still, the the fact that they all do it at the exact same time is, is enough to have a grievance with it. Yeah, that's a big eye roll thing. And this, and this is what I wonder about the whole, this whole Chibnall era of Doctor Who versus the Moffat and Davies that we kind of loved. Um, I don't know that if the show was if it was so I don't think we'd notice all these things if the show was so good that it that it didn't allow us time to notice you know I don't know that we would even be I'm sure there's nitpicky things just like that in the other episodes like in the other eras or maybe maybe there aren't but I suspect that there are certainly like we could probably poke holes if we wanted to but we don't want to because we're so captured and involved in the story that we don't think about to do it and doing that. And that hasn't been the case with this. Yeah, this. <coughs> with our nitpicks and plot holes of the Chimno era, it's not like or we're done talking about what we like about it. Here's something I just thought of that doesn't work. It's stuff we're saying and thinking while the episode is going on. That's exactly right. We're not retrospecting trying to do it. It's things that like, oh, that took me out of the story because that not, does not follow the logic of the story. Yes, let's... And I'll... I guess this is kind of spoilers of our conclusion on this episode. And I'll <laughs> say... Last episode we said was just good for Doctor Who. I think this episode has gone back to being good for the Chibnall era. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, let's let's see what Dan's going on. Our our companions split off during the something something. We need them to separate flux time. <laughs> right. Uh, so Dan is teleported two days after he left back in Liverpool, and the Centaurans have t- 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 gone to Liverpool, taken over there. Um, oh my God! I just realized. So they talk about how the Centaurans originally come to Liverpool the 21st century which is where they start before they start their time inquisition that leads them to crimean war you've seen the episode um, <laughs> yeah so liverpool is the first place they stop modern day liverpool right and i just realized they might have been able to get in because carvanista you know dan's dog thing isn't able to isn't there in time maybe so they start without him before because he has to give the orders to form the formation I just that's why the Centaurans would go to Liverpool first. That could be. Possibly. But anyway, this is where, like, we have the, like, Centaurans are terrible shots, and Dan, like, disables all the ships himself, and then till Carvanista comes back to save the day. I was not altogether thrilled with this part. I still like Dan. Dan is good, but, like, the Centaurans were worse in this part of the story than they are in the Crimean War. Um, I mean, the fact that the ex- he was just like, okay, first of all, again, his parents save, save, save him. I was annoyed by the parents. Yeah. Frying, frying pan was annoyed. I'm glad he got rid of them. But the fact that he's just like, oh yeah, I'm just, I'm one person. I have no military training or background that we know of. I'm going to go like, go like. Run into enemy territory. Run into enemy territory, like avoid being seen. Uh, and the reason is, you know, again, they established in the first episode that he loves Liverpool, so I get that, but like, this is our home, you know, blah, blah, It wasn't enough, you know? It wasn't enough to be like, nobody would, like, what are you doing? 
Like, there's no... His chance of success was nothing. <laughs> I will say that when the Centaurans find him and he does the whole, I was just looking for the peer head thing, I, I did find that funny. I did, too. I, I, I did find that funny also. Again, I like him. He's a very likable character to me. But I didn't buy that he was just going to, like, okay, I'll just climb up here and do this, you know. Uh, and maybe I'm just a coward, and when faced with this situation, I will run and hide from the Santarans, and he's not. Maybe that's it. I don't know. Uh, but I found I found that stretching my believability uh, of this, my suspension of disbelief, was a little stretched on that. And then later, you know, I don't know if we want to get to that now, but like when the doctor is like, "Okay, destroy the ships," <laughs> you know, yeah, like don't do that. Also, like, like uh, how do I do that exactly? Centaurans are dying when he destroys the ships, right? There have to be Centaurans in those ships. How is that different than the general genociding them while they're retreating? Hmm. Well, those ships, if those ships took off, wasn't that, isn't it a different? It is. It is. It, I think I'm it is. being a little like, uh, facetious. Is facetious the right word? No, it's not facetious. Um, I don't know. I'm, it is different because, you know, they're actively are going back now and are non non threat when the general kills them and are versus are stopping their attack. Yeah, which is what Dan is doing. Right. Um, but so, yeah, I like those little moments of humor with that. Uh, I thought that was that was good. Um, again, like Dan, and I liked, was it Carvanista? Yeah, Carvanista is the dog guy. Oh, I'm like, not sure if that's the name of the individual dog or the name of the species. That's a good question. I think I, I've been taking it as the individual dog. So have I. But I, I'm not positive on that. So I do like that he showed back up, and I do like that he does have this bond, and he's got to save the day. My question is, where are the rest of the dogs saving all the humans? Well, are are but did the dogs all take all the humans off? And anyway, I know time is rewritten when the Santarans come back there, right? Do they have that ability, or oh yeah, because the you know doesn't kill all the rest of the dogs. The, shouldn't they be getting the humans? The crashing doesn't kill them, right? Because it just resets time, so they were never there. So it's not death. So I'm be, I'm completely wrong. I'm not even following you right now. That's what Carvanista Crashing does. It's some sci-fi thing that causes them to make it so like they never took control of Earth. It resets the timeline. Uh, okay, okay. So there's no really in no quote-unquote death involved. All right, so we're not massacring lots of Suntarans then. No. Okay. All right. Um. So that's that's Dan's journey, right? Yeah. Now and then. Then he is, uh, he meets back up to the doctor, and they are taken to this Temple of Atropos. But let's let's go back a little bit and talk about and, how yeah. they introduced the Temple of Atropos, because I liked that a lot. Yeah, let's, this is probably, I mean, these two parts that I've mentioned, this A story and B story, or maybe A story and C story, depending on how you want to configure the stories, uh are kind of like they end this episode and then the B story is the one that kind of continues on and that that's you you can introduce that so it's probably the one that is most important for the ongoing flux storyline so I do not remember the character's name but I also really like him a lot he's the guy who was at the outpost who saw the flux coming <laughs> tried to warn and then Vincent Vendor 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 so, Vendor is transported to this place, we don't know what it is, and a floating triangle that, you know, appears to be, you know, some kind of, you know, mechanistic, you know, it's a robot or some kind of thing, saying, you know, can you, can you mend them, or can you repair? And, of course, he's like, what are you talking about? And after that went on just a little bit too long, but finally, like, he goes and, like, meets these crazy-looking, very cool-looking creatures in this very cool looking i don't know what it is i don't know if we're on a planet if we're in a spaceship i don't think we we figured that out or we'll, at least we'll I, find out we're on a planet it's on it's on a planet well, so the planet time oh that's right that's right the planet time so this temple of adropos and there are these creatures that i guess time funnels through them and i wonder is, is this was this an old who thing and she's forgotten because or this is a pre who thing that she's forgotten because they've wiped her mind. It's I imagine be a pre-who this thing, is right? a pre-who thing that she's forgotten because of the division. 
Right. So I hold on, not not to interrupt, but do we find out does Vendor work for the division? Is that an outpost for the division? Uh, I did not. Pay, I, ima- I don't I think so. It is, but they haven't said it yet. But I'll probably be a good way to connect the storylines or i guess carvinista's a member of the division i wouldn't think that he was and say so nobody's mentioned that but i can if they did that that would that would that would certainly work uh we do find out a little bit about him because the these other creatures the golly what are they called hank the the mori no the uh the brother and sister they're the sway the swarm well the no swarm they're not the swarm the guy's name is the swarm the, and the, the his sister is azure and then they have their little like henchman guys the passenger okay well i need to work on these names uh swarm they could do better than that right um well they, they do make us some kind of comment that like it's like rough translations but they'll do okay good all right that's that's enough to appease me so, anyways, I like I like that. I like where they are. I like they coming in. I like how powerful they are. And then Yaz gets transported there as well. So we were introduced to it in a very enigmatic way with just Vendor, and then later Yaz comes. And I kind of dug the little not tattoo, but maybe tattoo, but writing on her hand the WWTDD on the hand. Where Yaz has written that as a reminder, you know, what would the doctor do to kind of give herself courage and strength and guidance when she is on these adventures and without the doctor? I thought that was very, very cool. And I loved her finding that moment and then kind of going forward and trying to figure it out. And she was up on the uptake pretty quick, you know, like, yeah, yeah, sure. I repair what? Yeah, let's go. Yeah, yeah, sure. Let's repair him. And they meet these. So the but the yeah, Mori, the I Mori's think one cool. Thing you're forgetting that's worth mentioning. You know who she runs into. Tell me. She runs into Joseph Williamson, who's the guy. Oh, that's right. I forgot all like about he's that. He's there, and then Joseph Williamson walks away. And you were saying that's another real person. That's a real historical figure. Who so what did he I, do I back in the day? When I checked the the Wikipedia, some 1800s philanthropist. Did he do any tunnels? Or is the tunnels? All... I think he is related to tunnels. Yes. Because he guess he's like no we've where does he go? Well, I wonder would we know that if we were in England? Maybe. Okay. Would we like Mary Seacole would be aware of these historical figures? That's a great question. I don't know. <laughs> okay, and this is way back there, but something I wanted to mention when we were talking about Mary Seacole. This again back to this being this is another good way of educating people, and maybe she's a more popular figure in the UK, but. uh this didn't feel like the Rosa Parks episode <laughs> or the Tesla episode where it's like, and again, maybe different for people in the UK, but like we kind of all know who Rosa Parks and who Nikola Tesla are. And in this Mary Seacole, I don't think we all know who Mary Seacole is. So this is like a good informative thing. Yeah, exactly. A good way to give raise, raise her profile in the minds. And it didn't feel the same to me, but yeah, I don't think we, I think we'd have to ask somebody who was, who was in England, you know, and like, hey, do y'all do y'all know who? Because we, you have heard of Florence Nightingale, right? Yes. Yeah. So this person sounds like they did the exact same thing, but maybe even closer to the front, and deserves some recognition. But I wonder. I don't know how well known she is there, and we'd we'd have to ask somebody. We need a we need a British correspondent. Yeah, but um, but yeah, that was an interesting. That's another tease thing. Uh, but you you go back to explain the Temple of Atropo stuff. Okay, so you, I guess we have this Maori. Uh, Maori. 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 And somehow time flows through them. Somehow they're regulating the flow of time, and they've been hurt by this flux thing that has happened. And then that's kind of where we, we pick up with the temple. And that is all interesting. That is like... That's cool. They looked good, cool. natural way to like threaten time. It's like this big event that's happening, a space hurricane, and it's hurt these time people, and then... It, that our guys, ta- I imagine our swarm and Azur and the passenger and that group of people, who I'm just going to refer to as the swarm. Yeah, let's do that. Since it seems to be like their head villain. or I imagine in Prehu probably had something to do with the planet time and Temple of Atropos and the Mori because the Mori, the robot people, recognized him. Um, 
and maybe that's why like he broke out of the division at this certain time because he knew the flux would injure these people into the temple yeah i mean i guess so i mean really they've they've laid a lot of seeds that we're not i'm not really sure how it's going to turn out it, 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 the, the swarm guy knew yes and the other dude right like or yeah, so he either made he some would, comment he, like uh, like how do you know this like oh you perceive time so linearly right so either he's interacted with them throughout you know either in the future or the past or he has some kind of like psychic ability as well uh to know because i think the vendor guy was like disgraced apparently he was at this outpost as a punishment you know like in the federal like they you know that happens like in jobs or the fbi or whatever you mess up a case and you're next instead of working you know los angeles you end up working like anchorage alaska they put you in the middle of nowhere where nothing happens and that's what it, that's where why he was out there in that ship by himself and while he was like i'm doing my job but you know hey you know go to heck guys you know, in his report in chapter one, so some he so they've interacted at some point. I don't, you know, there's a lot lot to figure out. Or or it's the psychic thing, or they've yeah. interacted in the future, and this guy like sees is like Doctor Manhattan seeing all time. Well, that's what it feels like, right? Yeah, that's what I think. That's and that's probably what it is. I would imagine. Uh, so the question is, like, he makes Yaz and Vendor. Into Hold up. sorry, <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> Do you remember? I guess a week ago, when the first episode came out, the family, the the guy, woman that ends up being Azur, the 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 robot that comes to warn them that either the of this great crisis that either the flux is happening, or like, uh, I mean, the swarm. alarm goes off. Yeah, it's already the, it's is been that, there. But go ahead. Is that? The triangles that were in the Temple of Atropos? It was not a triangle. Okay. okay. It was like a That's, disc. That would add a new thing. layer. Yeah, that would have. Um, so what does he do to make them? He makes them like semi-amori. At least they have the tattoos on their face kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, or and, at least puts them in these pillars, I guess. They're and, not, and dresses them. I mean, they get the they is, get I wonder, is makeup Mori, on. Yeah, is Mori the name of the species or is Mori the name of the title? <laughs> right. So are they Mori or not? Or are they humans filling this position? There's a lot we don't know. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of the cliffhanger ending. Is they're gonna die because they're because they can't handle time like the Mori could, right? That and that is that is where it ended, and that was a good cliffhanger until they show us the preview for next. I mean, I guess we know they're not gonna die. They could kill Vendor though. Bad. Yeah. We know I, they're not I, gonna I kill yeah. Kill Vendor. Well, yeah, but there's not. They even but the cliffhanger lasted ten seconds. Because right when the episode ended, they're like, next time on Doctor Who, and you see both of them running around. So I wish they wouldn't do that. Okay. That's annoying. If you're going to end on the cliffhanger, don't have the preview like 30 seconds later giving you how the cliffhanger ends. You know. I guess that's true. <coughs> so we, yeah. I think it's like we've regressed in this episode. Like, it's like, I like think you, you summed it up nicely. This is good for Chibnall. Not good for Doctor Who. Yeah. But I did still enjoy it better than any other Chibnalls. is the name of the Carvanista species. The Lupari. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. Good job. Carvanista is the name of the guy. Hey, he's a dog. And that got a little bit old. I'm tired of the dog jokes. Ah. Yeah. Like, we get it. We've done all those now. Like, let's not do any more dog jokes. Yep. And even with those, I still like Dan, though. I still got a human in this fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was not good. <laughs> like, but yeah, this episode is good for Chimnall, and not entirely, like, I like the Centauran part of it. The setup seems, you know, interesting, what's going on with this planet time. Yes, I'm interested in that. Visually, it was cool. What is it, like, the time is evil line? I don't remember that one. It's the triangle thing, like, when Yaz is kind of asking, like, what's going on. And, like, isn't time, like, some, I don't know, some constant thing? And he's like, no, time is evil. And then, so, yeah, so time is breaking. This is a big threat. We got four episodes to close this loop. We're done with the first third of the series. 
What was in that preview other than seeing Yaz and Vendor run around? What's the name of the next episode? I'm, I want to talk about what do we think. It's Once Comma Upon Time. Hmm. So, so we're, we're going way in the future or way in the back or past or both? Yeah, let's... I guess this will, this will prompt our predictions for the next episode and what we think happens next. This is the IMDb description of that episode. Oh, wow, they already got that out. Yeah, they have it actually for episode four, too. <sighs> let's not read that part, though. Time is beginning to run wild on a planet that shouldn't exist. In the aftermath of Apocalypse, the Doctor, Dan, Yaz, and Vinder face a battle to survive. Okay. So they and want to survive. We know that. The preview, and also now that I'm looking at it, this IMDb thing, says that the Cybermen will be appearing in this episode. Oh, that was right. in and, the we next s- and we saw they were in that trailer. I remember yeah, that but now. I guess we also saw the Ood in the next dawn from last week, and we didn't see the Ood this episode. Yeah, so I think, I guess, the rest of the show, they're traveling in time, meeting different villains or different creatures, species, whatever. Um, yeah, but it looks like next episode we're going to be knowing more about this threat than now. Before, we thought, like, the threat is the flux in the aftermath of the flux. And I guess it still is, but now the threat has become... <coughs> Do we know whether the flux was is just, like, a natural phenomenon or somebody caused it yet? I I think we're supposed to believe that it's a natural phenomenon okay. right now. Because I guess the Centaurans... I guess the Doctor does ask whether the Centaurans caused the flux, but they, they seem like they just knew about, knew it was going to come. Yeah, and it, that's right. They saw it coming with the psychic thing. But in Chapter 1, I didn't pick up on this at the time, really, but one of the recaps I read talked about how the flux chose the Doctor to go after. Like... Oh, that's true. You so know, like it turns. Like, so maybe it's not a natural phenomenon. Maybe, yeah, maybe it's a living thing or maybe it's a weapon that can track or something like that. It's not interesting flux theories, but it almost seems like we'll be focusing less on the flux and more on the the whole time's ending. Right. Well, that is that is the effect of the flux, right? So, yeah. You know, I guess the time is unraveling. It reminds me of the episode, the, the end, end of one of the Matt Smith series is, it's like they have all of time on Earth at one time. You have like Winston Churchill and Cleopatra. Oh yeah. Ah, we I remember loving that episode. But uh Yeah. I hope I hope they don't I hope they do something more interesting than that. For right. like time is not working anymore. Or time is running wild, and I wonder how they're gonna visualize that. Yeah, I do too. So we got still more, a lot more questions than answers. So I guess the swarm's plan. What? What is the swarm? What does it want? Yeah. What? What? What do they get out but of this? Didn't he this? say something like we like, or is it maybe then the trailer? Like I don't know. Doesn't he want just like, oh, he wants like to reign in hell. Oh, yeah. right. Is that right? So who? So I think they just want who, chaos. Who will rule in this chaos world, where time is no longer linear or acting as it should? Yeah, I, I I guess we'll we'll learn this. The next episode does seem to be themed around time is breaking and what what's going on and who are the Mori and the Temple of Atropos and all that. Yeah, what do you what do you want, Swarm? Like, what's your what's your end game? What's your MacGuffin? Yeah, so I guess after in their mind, I mean, obviously we know that's not going to happen. Time is going to flow through Vendor and Yaz, and they're going to die, and then time is going to break free without the Mori kind of keeping it in check. Time is going to go crazy, and they're going to be like, I rule time now, or Cats I rule the universe now. Living together. Yeah. So I don't know. All right. Good. You enjoy that was, swarm. Yeah. You know who wasn't in this episode? The Weeping Angels and the woman the Weeping Angels got. And, uh, yeah, I presume, uh, yeah, she's got to come back soon. And Dan's love interest, who, uh, that was captured by something right in the ooh, house. Is she the passenger? Would Azur had turned Dan's love interest into the passenger? I think because Passenger does just appear after that, and Azur did take her captive. I forgot about that. that. I wonder, is that something we're supposed to have gotten in the episode? I don't know if I'm coming to that conclusion too late. I think, no, I I mean, I think you're, I think think that's a nice insight. I think think that's probably the case, and I don't think we were probably supposed to realize it, but the close watcher, viewer, clever guy will pick up on that. That makes sense. That's kind of cool. I think that'll be a big reveal that we'll already know about. And for your listeners, you'll know about it too. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, good for Chibnall. Interesting stuff to set up for next episode. Um, I am excited for the next episode. Yeah, I am. It's done. So that's, that's, that says of, a lot right there. But a good job of that. Yeah. All right, anything else we want to say on this one? I'm not sure. I feel like there's something we're missing, something big <laughs> yeah. that happened in this episode that we're not exactly picking up on. That how how do you think it be. will tie back into the Weeping Angels? Well, actually, I will tell you. You don't want me to read the description, but the fourth episode is called like the Town of the Weeping Angels or something like that. <laughs> okay, all right. So yeah, they are they are coming. So it seems like like we'll be doing the the stuff immediately set up in this one. <coughs> in chapter four, we'll be doing. It's called Village of the the Weeping Angels, um, or Village of the Angels. So I guess we'll be we'll be dealing with the Weeping Angel stuff then. Yeah. I'll be looking forward to that. I like the Weeping Angels, and I'm looking forward to the episode to see what happens. Yeah. So, you know, I would rank this below the first episode. A lot of people are really liking this episode. I, I'm not sure. More I get, than the first one? Yeah. I'm not sure I get the praise. But, uh, yeah, I, 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 pretty good. Pretty good episode. Yeah, that's what I would, I would go with that I as want, well. I want more of the Doctor like the Doctor is being. Yeah, yeah, me too. Me too. All right, anything else to say? No, no. All right, well, until we meet again, thank you so much for listening to the Owls on Culture podcast. Dana Daco Hall. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Owls on Culture podcast. Our theme music was recorded and assembled by Marine Sergier and Antoine Blanc. The show is produced by Pinecone Turkey. To learn more about Pinecone Turkey, visit pineconeturkey.com, where you can read the latest blog posts from the Owls on Culture hosts and sign up for the Flock email. Twice a month newsletter that delivers a short film, poetry, a short story, and visual art right to your inbox. It's your monthly dose of art curated by Pinecone Turkey. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by leaving us a rating on iTunes. Thanks for listening.